Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus Investor Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. And we are going to be talking about the future for February because in February there are a few aspects that are really thrusting us into the spotlight of the future. So the decisions we make now are going to last for for ages. There is like pushing us into certain trajectories. And one of those aspects I've already mentioned is that the North Node is activated all month long. And of course, the North Node is our destiny point. It's where we are heading in life for each of us. And when it's where it's in in the Zodiac now in Aries, it's where we are heading as a group. And also really, it's our mission. It's our mission should we choose to accept it. So we don't actually have to go there, but really we choose to accept it and go there. Or if a planet or in a lunar node sense, eclipse happens, it kind of forces us to go there. So this is activated all month long with a tight conjunction with Chiron. And then, of course, as well as this, we have the activations or the excitement, the ignition of both Aquarius and of Uranus. Now, Uranus, of course, is the ruler or crazy ass Uranus, should we say, is the ruler of Aquarius. And they both have similar vibes, as do all the planetary rulerships of signs. But both Uranus and Aquarius are also concerned with the future, what lies ahead and how we might be creating it. And the processes as well that we are on as humanity is on in the evolution of our consciousness, the how our soul might evolve and whether we are connected with the Dharma, with the truth and the philosophy behind that and how we might negotiate any of the curveballs that Uranus is sure to send us. Because that is Uranus's little gift to us. Ever so often, Uranus gets activated and we get this curveball, which means we have to jump through a few more hoops, put out a few fires and really expand our notion and go beyond ourselves in order to get where we need to go. And so this is is all of February, those two kind of key parts of February thrusting us forward. And I see Aquarius season as the spotlight on what lies ahead and how we're going to get there. And in the true Uranian or Aquarian way, does it avow us with enough freedom of expression uh, or expansion of our lives? And of course, this episode is actually going out on the 9th of February, which is the Aquarian new moon. And this Aquarian new moon, it occurs at 22.59 in the UK, which is GMT, which means five hours before Eastern time, American Eastern time and eight hours before in in Pacific time. So that will be way in the middle of the day for America. Uh, But it'll be on the 10th of February in Australia and New Zealand. And in the rest of Europe, in mainland Europe, in the key part will be uh, at midnight. It's going to be at 23.59, which is 11.59, the non-24-hour clock, which is 
of course, 1159 is that fantastic blondie track, which actually could be like the jingle for this new moon. You know, today could last another million years. And yeah, that's what it means. Like we could make decisions that are going to last for a very long time. They're not going to a decision for what's happening, what I'm having for tea. It's actually beyond that and beyond our actual personal lives. And this Aquarian new moon is at 20 degrees Aquarius. And that means it's also conjunct at this moment with the asteroid Circe. And I do love Circe. I'm a big fan. Um, she was the witch who trapped, in inverted commas, Odysseus on the island. Uh, but she was a witch. She was a conjurer. And she knew about spells. She knew about magic. And she was a herbalist too. And her sort of, we remember her as the shapeshifter. She could turn men into swine. <laughs> and I think when we look back at it from our point of view, I think she had good reason to. But antiquity kind of gives her a bad rap for that. But I think she saved herself by that move. So good on her. Anyway, she's the daughter of Helios, the sun god. And um, I like CSA. And she's right here at this new moon at the exact degree. And I think she's here to help us understand our own magic, that we too can save ourselves. We can turn those, you know, unelected officials into swine, but we can use our own skills, our own knowledge to get where we want and to make things that we want to happen. And of course, with this Aquarian new moon, it's like the magic, the, the idea that we can do this with our consciousness, that we have the powers of manifestation and, and intent, and, and they are quite magical. So, you know, don't um, discard Circe as a witch like the antiquity stories. We want her here with us now for this new moon. But this new moon is is also square, this Aquarius new moon, is also square to its ruler, Uranus. And Uranus is planet of surprises. So it's utterly connected to the forces of change. And also those totally unexpected curveballs that Uranus might send in. The wild experience that opens our minds and elicits a new path ahead, a new idea. And therefore, we have to evolve into new areas. And our consciousness is forever, ex for, sorry, our consciousness is forever changed, expanded. So whilst we're talking about all these new ideas, we think, well, the, the new moon is a force. Any new moon is a force for new, a new beginning. And where it is in Aquarius is so very much focused on the future. And Aquarius loves the new. He's, as they say in marketing, he's an early adopter, wants things that are new and way ahead of the curve. Then there's Circe and she brings Circe and she brings the ability to change ourselves. That's fascinating into something new, perhaps. And then there is the square this dynamic exact square that any square creates, wants you to have an action. It's the irritation that makes you jump into action and take notice. And then, of course, the square is to Uranus. And Uranus is the supernova explosion of the incredible beyond our imagination into a new life, into a new area on a new trajectory. So, I'm thinking, so what is going on in your life that is ready for new experiences? 
And perhaps that, you know, you're going, well, nothing really. I'm quite happy as I am. <laughs> um, so because obviously these kind of characteristics or aspects that I've just mentioned are all about the surprise, like, oh, I've got to take a right turn here. I've actually got to do something. I've actually got to think something, bring something about something very new. So perhaps we're not really aware what's going to be happening to us. And of course, it could thrust us into a more virtual world, into a more digital world, sending us down a psychological kind of rabbit hole, maybe, and maybe it concerns with our belief system or our habitual patterns that we keep doing. What are we doing? What are we doing on a day to day level that, you know, creates the bigger life? And and where is our freedom, our freedom of expression? All these things that might be coming around with the Aquarian Uranus new moon and the other activations that are happening this month for us. So we can't say there may be something happening ready or there is something ready to come forth. But we really must look and see where 20 degrees Aquarius is in your chart. And, you know, you might not have anything there, but have a check and see what house it is in. And that might give you some indication of what might be ready for this new life. But of course, then the uh, this 20 degree is also this new moon at 20 degrees is activating the Uranus. So it might be what's happening in the where 20 degrees or 19 degrees Uranus is in your chart. So is there anything there too? And anything on any uh, the other signs, which will then be trining, squaring or making an aspect to these points. So you're really looking at the 19, 20 degrees. And for me, this square, this is this new moon is square my nodes, my south node and my north node, obviously. It's square my moon. It's square my my Neptune. And then it's trine my MC. So <laughs> I might have gone into stratosphere by next week. So you'll find out if I'm back here next week, <laughs> you'll know um, um, I will be changed in some way. And of course, I'll share what's gone on with you. But um, but actually, I'm actually creating my website this week. I'm redoing the website. So that, that might be just enough. That might be just enough to tip me over the Aquarian edge into something brand new. Uh, and I want you all to have a look at it when it's done. But um, this lunation is such an incredibly good time um, to write your own wish list. To, to look at your own hopes and dreams and to use your imagination for something wild. I mean, wild and incredible in that Aquarian way. And perhaps, you know, in the idea that, you know, as much as our imagination can be wild and incredible, it could never conceive what is really going to happen. We can only just go halfway, but let's go there and meet it. Um, because the conjunction or the square or the conjunction that's happening between the moon and the sun in Aquarius and the Uranus square is is sort of doubly, triply bound to enhance your imaginative powers and your consciousness. So another an amazing time for meditations as well. Meditations, channeling, mantras, all that kind of vibrational frequency that you can do with your mind. It's absolutely fascinating what could transpire using the energy of this new moon to open your mind and set your intentions in whatever way. And 
Aquarius isn't just the idea of our consciousness. Aquarius, of course, represents humanity, mankind, and the, it is the water carrier. And the flow of water here is kind of purposeful. It's the flow of water which carries our emotions and our consciousness, and it's held by man. And the water there, is, as we know, is a primary carrier of electrical signals in the body, the fluids in the body. And I also want to refer to that Dr. Mazuru Emoto, the Japanese scientist, who found that when he exposed water to positive words, images and intentions, the water crystals formed beautiful, crystalline, amazing structures. And if he did the same with negative or, dis, you know, negative thoughts, ideas, just thoughts, negative thoughts, not even words, but words too and symbols, that the crystals came out all asymmetrical, discordant, random. So, you know, he saw that water or his, he proposed by this that water had a consciousness of its own. It was speaking to him via these crystals. And of course, you know, as we say in the shamanic philosophy, that water does have it or is a conscious being. It is a consciousness and it is a conscious being in itself. Just as much that you would say that, you know, we have earth and the fire has a consciousness. You know, we talk of the grandfather of the fire, grandfather of the fire, you know, the air having a consciousness. And we talk about the, the sylphs, the undines, the salamanders of, the, of these elemental, of the elemental world, all having a consciousness. So it is, it is this that the Aquarian water carrier is bearing in his hands. That's consciousness. This idea of the flow here is what the symbol is representing. And then, of course, we know that we're 70 percent water. Our bodies are and our brain is 95 percent water, apparently. Um, and I'm, just a quick Google, a personal Google search by myself. <laughs> There's a it says a growing body. And obviously it's all mainstream stuff, but and I'm way off the mainstream here. But a growing body of evidence suggests a potential connection between water and human consciousness highlighting the power of thoughts and intentions. So, yeah, let's, this is the time to get with those thoughts and intentions with this Aquarian full moon, which is square to Uranus and has Circe the witch. It's like, what, what more do you want? <laughs> and also I want to mention Aquarius's uh, amazing connection to the angelic realm, the messengers of the gods. And, you know, the angels have a connection or have the ability to look into our Akashic records. They kind of know, they can look through that library of what we have done, what went before and what is coming up ahead. But we, what we don't understand as humans that we can actually ask the angels to update our Akashic record. We can ask them that, you know, ask them to delete anything that's um, too tough or still resonating when it should be goddamn well over with by now, we can ask them to kind of delete things <laughs> or insert things into the future. We can actually use the angels as our guides like that. So I'm just putting that out there for this new moon. If you want to connect with some angels or you want your Akashic records updated, uh, deleted or in whatever way, go and try some angelic 
communication. And when you do, please report back to me and let me know what was your best method. Sorry, what was your best method, how it went and if you got any good results. I'd love to hear from you on that level. I'm going to try myself, obviously. And go continuing with this water theme, of course, I am a homeopath. And if water is holding all that intention, which is exactly what we do with a homeopathic remedy, where we store the blueprint of herbs, minerals, objects, even paintings and the organs of the body diseases. And we hold that we invite the water by a process to hold on to that memory. So it's held within the water Um And that little drop of water then we could put into ourselves, into our aura, into our energy field so that it affects a process of change. It's our energy field works first to recognize that blueprint and work with it and perhaps then process it and heal it so that we evolve with that. And the body then kicks into the the energetic blueprint of that then works with our aura to then work with our physical self as well with some really instantaneous results or some more slow burn results. But that's as a homeopath, how it works too. With with, in the sense of water holding our thoughts, intentions and memories. So whilst we are talking about Aquarius and the Aquarius new moon happening on the 9th, and it may well have happened by the time you're listening to this, but really this Aquarian new moon is the lighting up of Aquarius, which then really started on the 21st of January when we had this really profound entrance of the sun and Pluto entering Aquarius at the same time. That's really powerful and kind of once in a, you know, for for a a big planet to change signs like that hand in hand with the sun. It's totally remarkable. It's a phenomenon So we had that on the 21st of January, really lighting up Aquarius. And then we have on the 5th of Feb, we had Mercury sitting on that zero degree along with Pluto. So that's the second light up of Aquarius we had this year. And then on the 12th of February, Mars came into Aquarius uh, or will come in, depending on when you are, and sit on Pluto at that zero degree Aquarius. And then on the 15th, We've got Venus coming along to sit on Pluto at zero degree Aquarius. So Aquarius and the whole idea that first first degree of Aquarius is getting lit up. The whole of Aquarius is getting lit up by these repeated um, aspects or conjunctions as the as as the personal planets move into Aquarius and joining then the phenomenon. Then this is that is this new moon, which of course is square to its ruler. So it's like we're having this hugely powerful Aquarius season and and a start into the age of Aquarius, which as according to the Pleiades, not happening until 2160. But still, we're, we're getting closer. We're getting a feel for it. Now, on the 16th, Mercury, which of course is the lower octave, of Uranus is going to make a square from Aquarius, a square to Uranus in Taurus. And so we're going to just keep going through February with these Uranian Aquarian activations. And on the 20th, 21st, 22nd and 23rd, 
the lovely planet Venus, representation of all that is feminine and the beauty and our values and of money, is going to catch up with Mars, who's slowed right down, actually. He's taking his time now. And Venus and Mars are going to travel together through five, six, seven and eight degrees exact. So you can count the degrees either side of that as they come in close. So they're really together between four and six degrees, even more because they're so close in that conjunction over four or five days that Venus and Mars are together. And that's also quite rare that they should stick together for so long. And this, of course, is our male and female archetypes. And this is a real coming together of all the kind of archetypal energies on this planet that they come together to unite. And I like the sound of that. <laughs> this is like everyone has to board this ship. This is everyone's coming into the future, two by two, male and female. It's sounding a bit like Noah's Ark <laughs> to me. So that is the 20th through to the 23rd of February, where we have this kind of unite. You, is it, what's the word? Uniting of these. Um, they're not opposite, they're, but they're, um, they're complementary, like the Cruette set. They're coming together of these two. And and reminding me of Noah's Ark, in Noah's Ark, they had the fallen angels uh, come come to uh, help Noah. And I say in Noah's Ark, I mean the film that I just watched with um, Russell Crowe, where um, he does go off on a bit of off on a tangent, but he does really do some of it really well. He does show how it happened. Uh, you know, it's it's done well, and you do get a feel for what was going on. But the, yes, these fallen angels helped Noah and because they helped Noah, they then were fallen no longer. So it did remind me of this Aquarius when I was thinking about this Venus Mars conjunction in the middle of Aquarius after the new moon in Aquarius with all else that's going on, that this is a huge connection to the angelic realm and and when angels come, if, if angels want to be visible to us they have to go into quite a low density because they're such high vibrational beings so if they go into the low the lowest vibration that they can enter is into um to become water and it's their their etheric bodies that are coming into water so they can reach us via water and obviously then that's relating to um the consciousness and of course to aquarius the water carrier and so this is why angels will appear to us in the mists. Um, and so it's hard for them. It's hard for any kind of non-physical being to appear to a physical being because they have to slow down their, and come into density and not all of them can do it. But the angels, then it takes a lot of energy to come and appear to us. They are representative of this water carrier. It's why Aquarius is connected to the angelic realm. But on top of that water um, idea, uh, we do see angels as the idealized human or the spiritualized human. And we are, humans are, destined to become angels in a future race, which would be the Jupiterian race. And we will become, because we'll be coming into our, that angelic form, we will be fluid also. We will become like water or the densest phase of our body at that time will be water. So this is another way, I, uh, sorry, this 
is another way why Aquarius is connected to our future, our future as angels, our future as slightly fluid uh, beings. So it's not just the digital age and not just the expansion of our consciousness um, and the connection to the cosmos on the vastness of space or time, but also our future as the lowest level of angels. And if you remember the uh, the hierarchy of angels, such a beautiful, I love this hierarchy. It goes from the angels themselves to the archangels who we know, Gabriel, Raphael, um, Michael and Uriel. Apparently there's seven, but those are the four that we know as Raphael as well. Yeah, have I said that? But anyway, yes, there are four that we know of, but there's seven archangels and then the archai. So the lowest level or the bottom, when I say lowest, I don't mean like in a low high, better than you kind of thing, but in the table, should we say, there's the angels, archangels and archai. And then, then we have the next level is the excusi or the Elohim. The Elohim were the creator gods of which one of which was Yahweh. Um, and some were from the sun or from earth and one was from the moon. Then we had the dynamis and the Kyriotides. And those three were together in, in that level. And then you go beyond that to far into quite a high divinity is the thrones, the cherubim and the seraphim. Um, and then from beyond that, the Holy Trinity of the Son, the Christ, the Holy Spirit going up. So that's that's the hierarchy that we're going to come in at the bottom. <laughs> oh God, it's obviously going to be way in the head for me, laughing as I am at the idea of that. But yes, let's let's laugh with joy at what is to come. And here we are in February 2024 with getting these repeated nudges for us to push us further into our evolution of our consciousness here on the planet Earth. And I kind of like to think that, you know, when we think about astrology, it's not, oh, that's going to happen. It's like actually we can use these energies for ourselves if we understand that this is happening here we can meditate our way through this and really open ourselves up to the cosmos in a most amazing way but here we are with this new moon on the ninth and as i mentioned square to its ruler uranus which is now sitting at the point where um where the uranus at one point conjuncted with the north node in on the 19th and 20th of July, August, uh, or oh, sorry, at the 1920 degrees. Can I start again on that? So now here we are with this new moon in Aquarius. And as I mentioned, it's square to Uranus, its ruler, which is sitting at the point where in July, August of 2022, Uranus and North Node, they conjuncted together. So the North Node came along because Uranus has been around this spot for a while now. And back then, the North Node passed by. And that's like a massive doorway opening here. So this is the same spot that was highlighted in July, August. And I remember doing quite a lot of research about it because it was highlighted that the Uranus North Node, actually, the last time they met here in Taurus was not far away. And it was when they had the one, they had the great train robbery and two, they had the Crimean War. <laughs> they had the war with Russia. And here we are back again having war with Russia again. Um, 
And so this was highlighted, this spot where this, um, the where Uranus is, the new moon's ruler, is back on this spot. And, and going forward in July, Uranus is going to be at 21 degrees, so within the 1920 degrees. And it's going to have Jupiter come along, expansive, abundant, giving, yes man, Jupiter. So they're going to come and meet together on this spot that we're now kind of highlighting in February. So that's going to happen in April. So it's already happened in July, August 2022, when the actual Russian war did start happening, which happened way before in the 200, 300 years before when the Crimean War started. And here we are going to have this sensitive spot with Jupiter and the North Node together, which is, I'm going to say, quite explosive. And explosive in a nuclear way, in a really way that we can't even fathom. This is kind of an explosive, outrageous aspect for the whole of 2024. And kind of now we're just getting a flavour of it because it's being kind of tickled, as you like. So like we're tickling it. We're, it's going to be triggered at some point, And that might be in April. So February is kind of be enlightening events coming up, which which. February's heralding in, and I use the word herald like an angelic word, but our future is being signposted and lit up like a Broadway show sign in February. And, and not just because of this Uranus and uh, or Uranus and the square to Aquarius and all the events happening in Aquarius with the conjunctions with Pluto, etc., all previously mentioned. But the other thing that's happening, as I said at the beginning, is the conjunction between Chiron and the North Node, which is on one degree all month long. And I have spoken about this in the previous episodes, um, but it's kind of going around and around in my head because really the North Node is an eclipse point. It's a portal. It's an opening. Uh, the North Node is a moon node where the eclipses happen. And of course, we're going to be going into eclipse season in March, which is the 25th of March is the next eclipse in uh, Pisces. But so now at the moment with this North Node, it's being activated by Chiron. It's like being opening up like a doorway to our future, another doorway to our future. And I like to see that like it's like we're in the darkness and the South Node and the North Node are like openings in that to the, our past, where the south node is, and to our future. And we can take a peep through these holes, like a peephole. You can go run up to that south node and have a look at what was going on in the past. Or you can have a look through the to the future. But, you know, if you go through to the past and you can see what was going on then, and of course, it'll be flavoured with the themes of that sign. So now we have the south node opposite Aries in Libra. And so we're going to be looking back through the current South Node peephole. We might then see our past relationships, what was going on, because Libra, of course, is the sign of relationships. So we might have a, a, an idea of what was going on in past lives or in the past, in the past nine or 18 years cycles uh, and what those relationships or how they have might have a bearing on what is going on now. They're not just random ones. They're just the ones that in the past life sense are brought, being brought into this life that you now need to update. So that's happening on, on the Libra. But, you know, not just relationships. We might see where we had 
also to had to make big compromises for appearances sake or for love's sake, you know, where we weren't allowed to do something or, you know, because it didn't look right. And we had to give up us our sense of self for another. We might have had to look after someone in a medical sense, you know, giving up our freedom and our our want of ego expression in order for something else to happen or for someone else's sake, where we may have even been married off to someone we didn't want to be married off for the sake of the family. And you had to sit quiet and shut up and you weren't allowed to express that. You had to be all serene and create the harmony. But on that what level, you may have expressed the most amazing art and you might have done some really fantastic high vibrational um, beauty and brought that into manifestation via your south node, or depending, of course, where it is in your chart. And if you have a south node in Libra and of course, in the opposite sense, we have the um, Aries peephole. Now, if we're going to go up to the Aries peephole, we are going to see the strengthening of the masculine. And conversely to the Libra, we're going to see the ego being expressed yeah, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. So if you had a south node in Libra and a north node in in Aries, it's like this time, this time around, I get to do it. This time I get to go and express myself and do what I want to do. And I don't have to make compromises. And that would be the conundrum of that south node, north node. Um, but what we are also going to see with the north node in Aries is fighting. You know, Aries is is war you know it's ruled by mars the god of war and so we are going to see that and of course what is happening now you know it's no wonder that all our elected and non-elected bigwigs are talking about war they're not just talking about war they're talking about conscription my god there's army generals obviously unelected but obviously fought their way to the top defense ministers political pundits, journalists, and they're all gearing up with this war talk, this possible war talk. This is World War Three. I mean, I happen to think that we've been in World War Three since January 2020. And I know many of you agree with me, but they're like they're talking like it could happen, like people in the West could be conscripted into a war. And you kind of think, well, what war? <laughs> Creating enough wars around us. But obviously it means the the um, conscripted to go to war in the Ukraine or oh, in the Crimea again. So you see how these things resonate down the ages. Um, and of course, any conscription would be an absolute redefining of the masculinity of our times, the leadership role, the stepping up to war, the boys going to war. And of course, then there's going to be that discussion. Oh, what about the women? Are the women going to war? And in an equal sense, the women should be up there in the front line with the boys. But actually, when the boys are and the men are on the front line, they're like really don't want some women there <laughs> and don't want to lay their life in the hands of a woman, which is what their complaint is. It's like, yeah, we need you up there. If you want equal rights, come up here and do it. But on the same sense, I don't want you. So that's the situation. Um, and of course, I can see that if you there is conscription, how many men are going to go, well, actually, I redefine myself as a woman, you know, so they can't actually just go. It's just the men. It's got to be men and women conscripted this time around. 
just letting you know that. Even though in the Ukraine it is mostly men that, and mostly men that have died, a whole generation of men wiped out. It's horrific and it's so unavoidable. You know, it's not our war. It's our government's war and our leaders and unelected leaders war. And that, of course, is the essence of Aries, just going to war for for the aggression at stake. And the aggression, of course, was moving NATO, as Russia said, politely asked, don't move NATO next to my borders. You can have this if, if you don't move NATO. And we made agreements with Russia and then we just went straight on in. And why did we straighten on? We didn't ask them to go. We don't need NATO to go into countries next to Russia. It's not like we need NATO all the time for our defence. Anyway, we overstepped that mark and here we are at war. Um, it's not our war, really. And I did note discussing the other war with the Israeli-Gaza war reports and how they kept mentioning in you know quite blatantly on on mainstream media about how um you know the kidnapping bombing killing or whatever of women and children as if these women and children were more you know more precious than anyone else and it's like you know in the sinking of the titanic women and children first and you know but really why why should they go first and why are these even the women and children and of course i know in this sense and in this day and age they were talking about defenseless civilians whereas they were expecting the men would be getting hold of some guns i presume um, but yeah, that's what I know they meant that. But still, the rhetoric is so old fashioned for this day and age. And, you know, they all they dropped all pretense of concern about fear of representation or the equality of the women in the mili military. You know, women could be just as deadly in that sense, but not women and children, but it could be men and children, people or humans, people looking after the children. And I mention all these because Aries also is our childhood, but it's the it's Aries, the military and the North Node, the North Node peephole is being highlighted for the whole of February. And so, yes, our thoughts are going to be turning to war and the war pundits, they're loving it. Discussions that we could be enlisted for this one right right away or very soon. But what is actually giving me hope is that this North Node is activated all month and open all month because of Chiron. Chiron is the wounded healer. And the fact that Chiron is there is like the signpost here at the North Node. And it's the signpost of amount of pain, the amount of wounding, the amount of sorrow that would be involved if we went down that path. This, you know, could it be that this is what it will feel like if you do go to war. And this is the sensitivity. This is highlighting, you know, what how we would become sensitized to the tragedy of war, whereas now we're completely desensitized to it. You know, oh, yeah, there was another bombing and, you know, it's just mentioned on the war. But really, these are people and lives and and we just probably don't. We are desensitized to it in the West and also what is happening now with these um, global elites telling us that there might be war and the pundits following happily along to encourage that. What they don't perhaps realise is that with Pluto's move into Aquarius, 
Yes, it could it could mean like that Pluto is death, death for so many millions of people, death of millions in humanity as Pluto moves in there and gets activated. But also, it could mean the power of those institutions. When Pluto gave power to the institutions in Capricorn, moving into Aquarius, it becomes power to the people. And maybe those institutions, we just don't have the faith in the institutions and and their practices and processes. We don't have faith in them to go, yeah, we're going to sign up and go to war. They've destroyed that in us. And Pluto in Aquarius, we, we don't believe the reasons that we might go to war anymore. And so these personal planets that sat on Pluto all in a row, Mercury on the 5th, Mars on the 12th, Venus on the 15th of February, these personal planets sitting on this zero degree with Pluto, it's 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 like they're they're. It's us waking up, waking up each to our personal idea and our ideas about revolution and our personal freedom and our freedom of expression. It's And also this war idea, it's hardly angelic. It's hardly an expansion of our consciousness. So perhaps then this Uranian energy and this Aquarian attitude and the activations they're both going to bring around for humanity may bring around some sense of understanding of of reality to what really is going on and maybe the warmongering will yeah well yeah it's definitely the warmongering is going to go on for a lot longer and perhaps even then kick off around the 8th of April there is actually an eclipse on the 8th of April uh, in Aries. Um, so it's landing just a few degrees from this conjunction. Uh, it's at landing at 19 degrees. So 8th of April, there's going to be a an, another blast here of warmongering or um, idea of anger and antagonism and really we're going to be thrust and remember last year when the eclipses there was a new moon on the nought degree Aries and then there was an eclipse on 29 degrees Aries and now we've got one right in the middle so we've got these Aries ideas really being thrust into our consciousness so yeah a redefinition of the masculine but also the ideas of war being picked apart. And of course, on the top of this Aries idea of war and the idealism of the Aquarian Uranian aspects, we of course have the amazing European farmers coming out in revolution. In every way, this is their personal fight. This is very Aries. This is I have to get up and fight this. It's what I believe in and I'm going for it. This is very much for them. But then the idea of revolution and being against the authority is very Aquarian. And of course, it's usually just the French that do it. The French are so good at it, but the Germans too. And obviously the Dutch and Brussels, all and Irish. And I think the English are coming in too. But so many of the farmers in so many countries, when it's usually just the French, this is the Aquarian way. This is us going, yes. So you can see that as much as the global elites might be talking about war, there's a revolution and a fight going on in the farms, in our cities now. And of course, really, what's really bringing this about is Uranus here in Taurus. Taurus as in the land and farming and our food. 
And of course, Uranus here is getting helped by Jupiter in Taurus too. And that is what is allowing them and giving them the energy to fight this, to really come about. And it's putting on the current trajectory to what is our happening with our farms and our food. Because obviously, on one hand, the food, the food supplies are being destroyed. There was another chicken farm in America, mega farm that was destroyed a week ago. And, you know, this we see it happening. We see what they're trying to do. Um, so this is one of the benefits of Uranus being in Taurus, because when Uranus did enter Taurus, there was a whole swathe of veganism starting and a whole swathe of awareness about what is happening in our food production. And Uranus is sending lightning bolts of realisation and awakening. So we see what is really being done to the rich produce in our land. And it's not just in Europe. We're also becoming aware of what's happening in the cobalt mines in the Congo. You know how we are raping the land and sending children down into mines to get batteries for our phones. So it did remind me when Trump was in power, how everyone laughed at Trump offering to buy Greenland. He actually was like, well, come on, let's buy it. And everyone laughed their heads off. But it's one of the most densely, richly, um, you know, populated with mineral rich kind of organic matter. It's like the best place on earth to go mining. And and of course, that's what he was talking about. But everyone, what well, the mainstream media made him out, made him out to be a clown. But that's what he was on about. That's what he was talking about. Whoever owns Greenland is going to be rich. And obviously its price has skyrocketed. So um, I'm going to end this episode with the idea, of course, that this conjunction between the North Node and Chiron happens on the 19th of February, which is where we left uh, the two episodes ago when I talked about what was happening in February. So it's the 19th of February is the end of Aquarius season because it's normally normally the date change is the 22nd. But we're coming here for the Pisces season starting on the 19th. So I'm going to come back in uh, one of the next episodes to talk about Pisces season and the 19th of February onwards. And then, of course, we're going to have a leap year. And I'm going to talk in the ep in a future episode about the fact that we've got a leap year and what does it mean for Western astrology, for the tropical astrology? Because I think it's really important to get and understand why we have tropical ast astrology and Vedic astrology. And of course, they both have reason, but we go with tropical astrology. And people go, yeah, but the constellations have moved on. It's like, no, but we're on planet Earth. And the leap year means we keep in time with the seasons. So I'll be explaining more about that and what will be happening Pisces season and in March. So please um, give me a follow if you want to hear more about these uh, astrology discussions. I would love you to. And let me know also how you get on. So blessings to all of you. Love and peace to go in the beauty way for this next few weeks. Thank you.